All right. Welcome to the All Walks of Art show. I'm Michael Worth. I'm your host, and I'm uh, joined with the great Paul Ramey today. Ah. And uh, kind of excited about this. This is the first show, um, the first official episode, first time for everything. And that is actually the theme for the day. Your first time. <laughs> are, we get, are we getting into that? Yeah. All yeah, first time? Yeah, yeah, is that yeah. what we're going to talk about? I'm well, cool. you know, we censor it for iTunes, I guess. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, We're going to talk a little bit about um, being a musician. Paul's a musician and uh, got quite a bit going on here. So uh, welcome, Paul. Hey, thanks for having me. That was pretty good, wasn't it? Right, right when you go to take a drink. I, I, I I'm like, like a waiter. <laughs> I'm going to get my phone off here because it sounds like a vibrator. Well, we're talking about first times. Yeah, so. no kidding. Um, so you've you've been in the music industry in in this region for quite some time, and um, you know one of the things about this show is I want to talk with artists from all walks of life, and you know so many times we talk about the the, the musicians who are making a living at at selling their their art, and they're out touring, and and they're just you know they're they're living the so called dream and. Um, I think there's so many more musicians out there who are as good as anybody on stage performing to thousands as there are not performing to thousands or performing to seven people at the local pub or, um, these other things. And, and, uh, you know, you and I hold a, uh, an admiration for a band called Crowbot and, and they're like that. You know, I know a lot of those guys work a regular job. They go on tour they do their thing and you would never know that they're, you know, doing two different things. I think there's a misconception, I guess, in the audience level of what a rock star is today. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, to touch on what you're saying, I mean, I, I think a lot of that's changed where, you know, there was a time when, when these cats could make a lot of money, um, playing music, selling music, um, but really nowadays it seems like just torn. That's the only way to really make money. And if you're not torn, you're not making money. And it's like you mentioned Crowbot, one of the most incredible bands I've ever seen. Um, and you know, you follow on like, a, uh, what is it? Brandon, that's a singer. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. His Instagram and you know, he does like, he's working on houses and uh, you know, the guitar player's a tattooist. It's, it's like, you got to do something when you're not, working it's just like anybody else if you don't clock in at kroger you're not going to get a paycheck <laughs> right do you, do you think do you think it's the way the industry is run today or do you think it's uh, more about just just having enough money for health insurance and all the other things uh probably a little bit of both i mean the the competitions out there you're competing against so many other people for the same dollar and people's just going to download your music anyway. <laughs> right. So uh, it's a little bit of combination. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think everybody gave Lars Ulrich a, a really hard time back in the Napster days uh, about downloading, but he was kind of in the forefront of, hey, guys, this is going to kill the industry. He's really been vindicated in a lot of ways. I, I think uh, the, the way that they went about it or maybe the way that they were perceived – to go about it i think is what made them look so bad oh, yeah. Yeah. but but at the heart of the matter as an artist you know and even at my level i want to be able to, to be in control of my music and 
how it's sold, how it's packaged, and mm-hmm. how you get it. And if it's just out there um, for anybody to download or, you know, back in the day when you shared tapes, it wasn't the same quality. But now you can burn a copy of the CD and you got the, oh, yeah. you pretty much got the same quality yeah. disc, you know. And I mean, I don't get too bent out of shape about it as much because I give away a lot of music. But that's my decision. That's not your decision to burn a copy of my disc and give it to your buddy. Mm-hmm. And when somebody's like, hey, I burnt this copy for, uh, for my cousin. She loves it. And, you know, they're so excited to tell you that. And one half of me is like, yeah, I'm glad the music got out there. But the other half of it's like, oh, you mother. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. you, you owe me $5. Yeah. Right. You, you know? But, yeah. You'll give McDonald's your money, but why not right. me? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that... It, it's funny that way because it works that way with uh, photographers and, and uh, painters too. I mean, you see stuff on the social media and it's like, oh, wow, I like that picture. I'm just going to take it and use it. And I'm guilty of that. I'm, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. totally I think guilty everybody of that. is. And, and I think at some some level, there's there's a little bit of admiration of, oh, thank you for sharing. Thank you for liking. But at the same time, we need to be able to eat, pay our rent and, and things as artists. And I, I know there's probably a few people listening, uh, two or three <laughs> who might, who might say, Oh no, they're going to go down this rabbit hole and blah, blah, blah. And it's just, it's the arts. It's the arts in general. I think probably everybody that has any kind of a creative bone in them, um, they have to understand at some level their work is going to be used in an, in a personal way by, by a lot of people. And you're not going to get monetization out of that. And, um, you kind of have to relax a little bit about it, you know. Definitely. Uh, one of the first times I saw you perform, actually, you were um, in a wedding dress. I was like, "Who is this guy? Come on!" And and you guys were throwing your CDs to the to the audience. Uh, it might have been, I think, it was a battle of the bands or something here in town. Yeah, was my daughter on stage on that one? Because I had her on stage at a battle throwing CDs out one time. I think so. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, the Dan haters. Yeah. Um, and seeing that was something that we did. We, uh, um, Street Beat was still around, and um, Randy Winks, who uh, owned it, he had a, a mass burner that could print with labels and, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, have track lists, nice mm-hmm. looking labels. Oh, yeah, we're in the early 2000s there. Right. Yeah. And before that, uh, it was, you had to get, you couldn't get small run discs made. Right. So we were able to get small run discs for inexpensive just to throw out we made that decision we wanted to do that and i think it had four songs on it which is we had five originals at the time so you know and it was fun and that's what we want we wanted to get the music out but that was that was my decision that was my bandmates decision yeah you know exactly it's about getting the music out there yeah and you know you asked about me earlier and i'm in a band called mg flash Mm -hmm. and we made a conscious effort to keep our cds five bucks mm-hmm. but you know we got really nice album cover uh, you might may have seen it yeah uh we, we you know we did the whole thing we didn't just release it um you know a lot of bands are just doing downloads and whatnot but we're we're older guys and we're still into the having the whole package to look at and to read the lyrics and it's the whole art form it's not just mm-hmm. the music it's it's everything but we sell it for five bucks and i mean at five bucks if you still if you want to steal it 
instead of paying five bucks and you know i mean it wouldn't matter how much it was you're still you're just not gonna pay for it oh yeah yeah and we've had people download it um and pay i'd have to ask ryan but i think we've sold some overseas for like 10 or 15 bucks where Mm -hmm. where they can just download it um off the internet and pay what you want so that's pretty cool yeah you know yeah Uh, (coughs) caught me in the middle of a, a cough i think we need something to drink here um Speaking of first times, this is Paul's first time of ever having a scotch. So I thought I'd ruin him <laughs> with uh, with a good one, an 18-year-old. It's a Glenfiddich single malt scotch. Glenfiddich? I've never even heard of that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a fantastic. Um, I, I had this down, too. I was going to say, actually, who runs it and all that stuff, but everybody's name is completely slipping my mind as I take it out of the, the tin because it's really good. Um, this is an 18 year old for those of you who are listening and, uh, not seeing this, um, my old eyes here, we're looking at cool uh, looking bottle. It is a cool looking bottle. 43% alcohol by volume. My batch number is 3349. So, um, limited run. It's a, it's a really tasty, tasty scotch. Um, for, for somebody who's never had scotch, I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this with um, some people say it's an acquired taste. Uh, I personally think it's not an acquired taste. It's uh, you've already acquired your taste <laughs> for scotch. <laughs> you either like it or you don't. Um, the younger scotches are not great. So, so what makes a scotch a scotch? It's made in Scotland. It has to be made the the malt and uh, the aging, all of that has to be done in Scotland. Sort of, I'm a little bit of a purist here, and I'm glad you asked this. Um, there are companies around the world who claim that they make bourbon, but I feel like bourbon only comes from Kentucky. Um, it's a regional thing. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't go to Canada, Canada and buy a tequila, right? Right, right. So everybody's kind of got their own flavors. Uh, the... Scottish countryside, I think, has a lot to do, has uh, very much to do with the flavor and taste of a scotch. Uh, the way they make it is also kind of a, I don't want to go into those details on here. I mean, that's an art form of its own, but. Um, but it's basically a whiskey. Yeah, yeah, it is a whiskey. It's a Scottish whiskey, yeah, and yeah. they call it scotch. Yes. Hey, I'm learning stuff. No this E. Cool. No E. Like all of us on this side of the pond, uh, we put an E in our in our whiskey. Uh the way it's spelled but over there it's whiskey with no e so which is why i Mm. I often get called out on hey you spelled it wrong no no i didn't (laughs) it smells good i'll tell you that we've had this in the glass for a minute and it really does smell good all right let's take a drink of it let's do this it's not bad no it's not it's a smooth got a little bit of a burn afterwards which is yeah. fantastic yeah i actually don't hate that i'm not a big alcohol guy at all so yeah i'm gonna have another drink yeah um for the for the folks at home it's uh some people will say scotch has a <coughs> antiseptic kind of a flavor to it afterwards but this does not this has a very nice balance uh 
easy drinking, you know, kind of a scotch. Not a not an easy drinking like a Macallan or anything like that if you've had scotch, but um, to compare it, this bottle is about $120 uh, for, I think it's, I don't know the size. I don't want to move around too much. Um, just your standard. I think it's 750 milliliters altogether, but um, comparatively, uh, Johnny Walker Blue Label, if you've ever had it, runs locally for me around $250. I think this compares equally to that bottle, so you can save some money and get a Glenfiddich 18-year-old and uh, share it with your friends. And It's actually not so expensive. You can't have it on, on hand on a regular basis. It's got a nice linger, too. It does. Has, yeah. It does. Um, they use uh, different... Ah, we won't go there either. This is this. We're getting off topic <laughs> a little bit, but well, I don't know. I think uh, you know, whiskey making's an art form. Uh, alcohol, it is. Alcohol it is. spurns a lot of you know yeah. springboards a lot of art. Uh, so you know, that, that's it's kind of that's topic. a good segue you got there. So what what Paul was saying here was um, a few years ago, and and I don't think he really meant to say it this way, but a few years ago. I had this project I was working on called The Thirsty Muse, and um, it was centered around drinking and uh, having a good conversation with people, and it was actually leaning towards what we're doing today, uh, talking with artists about different things, and we would just have a drink over it, but, um, you know, Paul and I go way back, and I know some of you listening are probably like, okay, yeah, well, you go way back, I get it, you know, what are you going to talk about? I want to hear about the first time, but... Uh, like I said, the first time I met Paul, he was in a wedding dress, um, looked like a Norwegian metal, um, I don't even know how to say it. It's like... Uh, well, I was covered in cornstarch and corpse paint and wearing a wedding dress and a spiked dog collar Yeah, and lightly tinted sunglasses. Yeah, it was fantastic. If that gives you an image at all. And there was this this powder you had in your hair that just kind of gave you the stage presence, like, I'm bigger than you. Cornstarch. It's yeah. my secret. <laughs> Rob Zombie, I think, uses it, too. It's his secret as well. <laughs> it's better than talcum powder. Don't sting the eyes. And <laughs> right. if you want to make some biscuits afterwards, oh, you're ready to go. That's disgusting. <laughs> um, tell me about the... You talked about M- MG Flash and... Um, I really wanted to kind of touch on that a little bit because the art form of music, there are two distinct similarities in art as in terms of a painter and a musician. Um, when I make art, I have original music or original art rather. And, um, when I want to sell multiples, I make prints. So there's, there's, in my opinion, there's two music trying to make an analogy here. There's two music, uh, similarities there where you can perform live on stage and you can also make your CDs and you talked a little bit about your MG flash CD, but there's two different experiences there. You know, when I sell an original piece of artwork, um, you can see the brush strokes. You can, you can, you can see what's involved in it. It's, it's more of an organic, you know, man, this is hard to explain, but it, it's, it's a one-off, you know, you're not going to have that experience again 
even the prints aren't the same as the original. I don't care what anybody says. They can be very close in color and value and all that, but without actually holding the original, it, it's hard to explain. And you're never going to paint something exactly like that ever again. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it'll never be the same. And that goes with live performances. You talked about touring and how musicians make money on touring. And, and I get to thinking about it, and it, that's very much the original. When you see them live, I know there's a lot of auto-tune involved in, in some of the pop industry type music, but you know, you, you see a rawness. You see a more aggressive, um, in some cases more aggressive, but in other cases a lot more of the artist. You know, there's, there's no... You know, in the studio, you know, when you go in the studio, you can kind of fix your flaws. You can re-record the mistakes. You can. Well, yeah, you've you know, a lot of times you've done that part 15 times to get the yeah. right pass through. So tell me your first time on stage. What was it like? Wow. First time on stage. <laughs> that was uh, that was at a biker party in Jackson. <laughs> Jackson, and, Ohio. Ja- yeah, Jackson, Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it was called the Bubba Run. It was uh, my old band, uh, Millennia, which was my first band. And uh, we didn't have a lead guitar player. It was just a guitar player, bass player, which was me, drummer and a singer. And that was the first time that I, you know, performed an actual quote unquote gig. And it was on the front porch of this old cabin back in the woods. And it was just, it was really something. It was, uh, it's hard to describe. It was just, I just knew I wanted to do that again. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what I had been, I had been planning for since I was 16. Right. And I was, uh, I think I was 18 or 19. I was probably, if I wasn't 19, I was real close. And I don't know. It was, uh, I was terrible. I mean, you know, we weren't. I mean, we were okay, I guess, but we weren't as good as we thought we were. But mm-hmm. but I really liked it. We got a reaction out of the crowd on some of our songs, and I just like, yeah, man, this is this yeah. is it, you know? Yeah, there's a feeling that comes over you when you, it, it doesn't matter how many people's out there. It's like no. I'm, I'm on stage, I got good sound. This is awesome, you know? Right, and we didn't. I we might have had a, enough sound to go through the vocals, and I was playing through a, a one fifteen bass amp, and but I mean. I might as well have been playing Madison Square Garden. You know, I mean, <laughs> right, this right. is cool, man. This yeah. is what I wanted to do. That's awesome. I, I, you know, take take that that experience, and you know, I think all of us. I'm a drummer, so all of us, I think, try to get that in the studio experience as well. When we when we sit down, we go, okay, how can we get that energy that we have on stage into this album? bypassing all the the live albums and stuff i I don't want to go there but you know this the the traditional studio albums um we're we're lucky here we've got the the recording workshop nearby it's a school Uh, we can get a lot of free time out of out of the students by going in and letting them tinker with uh their equipment to make us sound a certain way or try to get a project done a lot of experience you can't buy just getting to go down there oh yeah 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 absolutely um Tell me about your first time in the studio. Was it a student experience like that, or was it... Well, I got two... I, I recorded, um, I think it was a three-song demo, same band, Millennia, 
at a studio in Roxabelle. And that, I mean, I, w- I was excited to be recording and it was neat, but you know, the, they used one mic on the hi-hat and the snare and the hi-hat was too loud. The, the finished product wasn't all that great, but I mean, it was kind of, it, it was, uh, it was really, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not homemade, but it was real, uh, you know, do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Kind, yeah, kind yeah. of yeah. deal. Almost uh, like in today's, I mean, we're talking back in the eighties. Right, nineties, uh, early nineties, yeah. Um, that that was a difficult time to actually get recording. Today, right. today it's like you know everybody and their brother has equipment to yeah. sound a hundred times better than the stuff we had back then. Yeah, little Chad, he's got like the whole setup in his basement. And he can yell for a hot pocket whenever he wants it, and he's right. still making decent music because he bought the app. <laughs> like it's crazy. Like I wish I had a back then. I had a little four track machine and two boom boxes. Yeah, no offense to Chad, by the way. And nah, <laughs> hell with Chad. But um, you know that's how I was recording. I would record something on a boom box and then use my second boom box to play it and then record it with the other boom box while <laughs> right. both was going. You know, but that was, um, you know, that was okay. But it didn't really prepare me. The first time I was at the workshop. Uh, it was unreal. It was a real studio, and, yeah. and there was all these people there, and and I was under the gun, and and right. I had to go out there, and I had to I had to produce, you know. I had yeah. we had X amount of hours, and and we had to get it, and I was just so excited. I I remember really distinctly um, smashing my face against the glass because I was just so. Oh yeah. I was trying to look at something, and the big studio glass. I just totally missed it and just oh, yeah. you know yeah, i mean it was just that's how enraptured i yeah. was with the whole experience i mean the board and the faders and the tape we, we'd still use tape back then oh yeah and, it was like 150 dollars for a yeah. virgin tape yeah it was awesome it was man it was 15 just minutes <laughs> it was really cool and that was another thing like i had i always had kind of aspirations that i was gonna be the studio guy and and uh, i always thought that'd be cool you know and i wasn't even singing then yeah. And I was just bass player. It's the art form of it, really. I yeah. mean, it, it, it's like, wow, I can make something. You're really painting to me. When you're in the studio, you're painting. Yeah, absolutely. To me. I mean, yeah. that's that's what it is. It's totally different from the live experience. Yeah, you've got your color of the low ends, you've got your mids, you've got your highs, and you've got the vocals, your and layers. all the different parts. Yeah. Your layers. Yeah. You know, I can go in the studio or in my little, you know, I got a little home studio like Chad, mm-hmm. and I can go in there, too. and I can sing my own backing <laughs> vocals, and I can put a little mandolin part in, mm-hmm. or I can use a 12-string bass just for one little thing. But live, live, I'm going to, I'm this other guy. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. do this other thing. Yeah. You know? That's, you know, the first time I recorded at actually a paid recording, not a, not a studio recording was, well, I don't remember the band. What's what studio was this at? It was, it was here at the recording workshop. It was studio F on the Hill. Yep. Good. Uh, we, we purchased, we purchased our virgin tapes, which I don't have access to at all. I, I don't even, honestly, it's been so long. I don't remember who the guys I even played with were. That's terrible. Isn't, isn't that something? It though? is something. I mean, you're kind of a slut in the industry here locally, right? <laughs> you've been with, you play with a lot of bands. You've been everywhere. A, a little bit, but I've been lucky too. To, I mean, my first band I was in for ten years, and we yeah. put out two full length CDs back when you had to buy a thousand CDs at a pop. Yeah, you know. Um, and still in MG Flash, I'm playing with, you know, my best friend was in Millennia, and mm-hmm. he's in MG Flash, so. 
Yeah, I've played in a lot of different projects. I've guested on a lot of different projects. I like as a singer, as a bassist, um, whatnot. But it's there's there's a certain core of people here in this town, and if if you're not from this area, of Southern Ohio, it's kind of hard to explain. But mm-hmm. there's just such a vast amount of talent of every musical genre, mm-hmm. and especially not not so much in the early '90s, but from the mid 2000s on there's just really a family atmosphere nobody cares if you play metal if you play right. folk and i've been privileged to get to play with a lot of these different right. people and and either do gigs with them you know their band and my band or to actually get to you know get on stage with them and yeah. I, I love that and i've played a lot of other different cities and i haven't really seen um at least from the guys I've talked to and my experience, I've just never really come across another musical community like that. Right. Right. Not to take us, you know, to a a different area of where you was going, but I mean, that just kind of goes, goes along with what we're talking about. Oh yeah. Community is everything. It really is. Um, in, in the fine arts, you know, you got your clicks, um, in photography, you have your clicks. I've, I've been kind of fortunate to kind of dive into a lot of different things. I'm, I've got creative ADHD, I think, where I have to do a lot of different things. Um, I'm still very attracted to playing music. Uh, I like to paint and photography. I, I've I've actually had to kill a couple things to basically say this is what I need to focus on and keep my attention. But I've I've learned that those other aspects of my creative desires and passions kind of all come full circle by doing the different things that I do now. And, um, I wouldn't trade it for anything, but the community itself, um, has really taught me a lot of important factors. You know, you, you don't step on people. You, you realize that this person might be an arrogant asshole right now, but you're liable to turn around and be best friends with them later. You know, you, you just don't know, you know, um, it's a difficult place. And we, we've all seen, I mean, you, I know you've seen the prima donnas and the, even in the local community. Oh, it can be bad. It can be yeah. bad. And I got no tolerance for that anymore. Yeah, and I, I don't either. A lot of people think I'm arrogant, and uh, I hear that sometimes. And I put this – you can't step on stage and think, well, you know, I hope I do a good job and, you know, all shucks. You have to believe that you're the baddest cat ever in that moment. But you're not – better than anybody else that's the key a lot of these guys they they get that and they get in their head and it don't matter what your band does or what you do or how good of a singer you are if you start believing your own hype and you think you're better than someone else you're done it's just you're done and that comes that kind of arrogance comes across on stage i think and turns a lot of people off there's a difference between confidence and arrogance and uh you know unfortunately uh i'm sure you know I've crossed that line a few times, you know, but, but when it comes down to it, I know that I can, I can throw a rock right from where we're standing and hit five guys that can play better than me, you know, five guys that can sing better than me. But I know in my heart, nobody can do what I do like I do. Right. And that's it. I'm not better than anyone, but I'm ain't nobody out there. Me either. So, yeah, you've taken over the years, you've taken your style and you've, you've developed it into where you are today. And, and I, I think that goes with all art forms. You just, you can't, nobody wants to see another Bob Ross, you know? I mean, yeah, he was fun to watch, but 
it, I can't be Bob Ross. You can't be Bob Ross. You know, I can't be Neil Peart. Or you can just hope whatever. you can be you and connect with people in the same way Bob Ross did. And, yeah. and that's what I'm trying. If I'm, if I'm singing in a band, I know I'm never going to be Robert Plant, but I hope that I can do something that will connect uh with somebody the way he connected with somebody. That's yeah, what yeah, I want yeah. to do. Yeah. You know, and I don't want to throw anybody under the bus here. Let's but throw him under the bus. Let's, I, I'm, I want to talk about popular culture for a second. You mentioned Robert Plant and this, this really threw something out at me lately. Threw something out at me that I've been thinking about lately. I should say I, I was driving down the road and I've heard the band a few times. <laughs> I know where we're going. I, I know. And you I know? have no idea, but now I know it, it just, it really kind of a, a radio DJ was very kind and he, and he got to talking about different things and he, he thought would, it would be a good time to introduce this band. And he said, it's like Led Zeppelin rebirthed. Yeah. It's dead silence. You hear there. I, I felt the same way. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know? No, they're not. It's Greta Van Fleet. You know, it's, it's a band. They would make a really good cover band for Led Zeppelin. But there's something in the recording that just makes me feel like it's 110% for that guy. It's not Robert Plant. Does that make sense? It does, but I, look, it, I've had this conversation a lot of my friends, a lot of my Facebook friends. Uh, this Greta Van Fleet is very polarizing to a lot of people. And I got you know friends that I love that are way into old classic rock and they love the doors and they love zeppelin and they're just all about it they can't they can't wait to see greta they're excited about it and i want to love them god i want to love them but it just don't it don't hit me right when i listen right. to them it makes me want to listen to crowbot yeah because for me i feel like that they you know it's in the same i've mentioned this before i think when we've talked you got bands like crowbot that are more on the a little bit heavier than some of these other bands or like Black Country Communion oh, yeah. or um, the Winery Dogs, which yeah. I consider this uh, modern classic rock, mm -hmm. but they're doing their own thing with it. But with, with Fleet, it's, you know, of course you hear the obvious Led Zeppelin comparisons and mm -hmm. I can understand why a radio DJ would say, you know, it's the, it's Led Zeppelin reborn and, and, you know, he's trying to get people excited about it, whatever. But I, I don't see it, but I, I bet I'm hoping for them that uh, maybe their second album, their third album, maybe they'll hit, they'll hit their own thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the talent's there, oh, yeah. and they're young. God, they're young. Oh yeah, and and his his vocal range may be that's his comfortable place. It obviously probably is. You I can't mean, help you, know, how, you can't help how you sound. Right, right. You just can't. That's uh, you know, I love Throwdowns, one of my favorite bands, and the dude sounds just like Phil Anselmo. Yeah, I mean. You can't. Sometimes you know it's on purpose. Yeah. But sometimes you can't help. You can't help how you sound. So. On, on a on a positive side of things, I'm not. I'm not really hating on them. It sounds like you're hating on them just well, a little bit. They're not Nickelback. I mean, if I was going to hate, you know. Here we go. <laughs> I mean, you know, the Bud Light of beers. Hey, hey, but there's a there's the a band there's a band that have somehow. A band that I don't particularly like. They do have some songs that I like, but they've been able to connect with people on a on a broad spectrum yeah. to sell out big places all over. So it's like yeah. I can't, I can't. If they're doing if they're doing what they really want to do, and yeah. it's not just specifically to 
target some certain audience. I can't hate on that, man. Yeah, yeah. It's it is difficult. I don't want to listen to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And going back to Greta, you know, trying to give a little bit of positivity in this. Um I I wonder if he's gonna face this wall or if he already has faced this wall, uh the singer. I don't know his name. Um It's it's Greta, ain't it? No, I don't, I don't know. No. Hansel. I think I think they're are they all brothers? Or I, I think I know some of the guys that's in the band Nickelback. are brothers. Nickelback's all brothers. Weren't they Hanson? No, you're all it was just a, <laughs> I'm confused. The, it's just a drummer, I think, and the or, Scotch. The bass player and a singer of Nickelback back are brothers. But uh I think Greta, I think they might all be brothers, or at least three of them. I think Hanson grew up and became Nickelback. I mean I really do. That's possible. And they look the same. Um maybe we'll hear uh Umbop immigrant song. <laughs> You know, that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> Look at this photograph. <laughs> it's a picture of my little brother. <laughs> oh, my God. But, you know, didn't, didn't uh, Great White and I believe, um, oh, shoot, I just got the other guy's album. What's his name? Uh, from Twisted Sister, D. Snyder. Yeah, yeah. I just got his metal album. It's pretty good, by the way. But I believe he was in a Zeppelin cover band. And Great White started out as a Zeppelin cover band. Oh, yeah. But they were able to find their own thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not calling Greta Van Fleet a cover band of Zeppelin. I, I what, a, what I was getting at, I guess, before we got off topic with that other... We just lost every Canadian listener that I would ever have, I'm sure. Hopefully not. Just because they're from there don't mean they're big from there, though. You think? You know? Yeah, you I know. mean, I like Seth Rogen. He's from... Rush. Rush is from, yes. from Canada. Yeah, you can't... I love Canada. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Just sometimes you give us people that we can't listen to. Yeah, it happens. Sebastian Bach's Canadian. Is he really? Yeah. I didn't know that. And he's a comic book collector. He's a cool guy. He is a cool guy. No, but I I wonder sometimes if if, um, the singer from Greta, I'm having a hard time getting this one out, you know, is there going to come a point where he goes, you know, stop comparing me? Uh, I wonder if he already has, you know. I had read that that they claimed that they didn't even had never even heard Zeppelin. I read that. That's, now, that's bullshit. Well, I yeah, I know. And Robert Plant actually, I think it was on the Stern show. I think there's a pygmy. Called him out. There's a pygmy in Australia that has actually heard Zeppelin. I mean, I don't think anybody on the planet has never heard them. But you know, maybe this kid's just like, man, this is how I sound. And I'm tar- tard of. I just killed every Australian. <laughs> And pi- and pygmies <laughs> are they pygmies? Oh they're, man, do they get podcasts they, out there? They're Aboriginal. Yeah, Aboriginal pygmies. What if they're Aboriginal? Original, unoriginal, unoriginal. <laughs> this is going down a bad rabbit hole. <laughs> we need to take another drink. I think. Mm-hmm. And Paul Paul invited the Mexicans to. This. Oh my God! Yeah. Here we go. First time for everything. A little bit of tequila. That's yeah, my yeah, drink yeah. of choice there. Silver tequila only, though. Yeah, that's that's rough. Um, I don't know, but uh, just to to get back to your point, imagine being that kid, and here he's in a band, and, and they're playing him on the radio, yeah. and they're getting some success. And if that's just how he sounds, what's what can he do about it? Exactly. And he's going to get all this comparison to Robert Plant for the rest of his life. Yeah, and, yeah, and I'm going back to what you said. I want to like him. Yeah, I just I can't. The songs just aren't there for me. Yeah. Me personally, yeah. it's just the this. You have to write something like, um, or, or well, more importantly, you got to steal something like Led Zeppelin used yeah, to yeah, steal. Yeah, from. yeah, yeah. 
You know, they got to do their own thing. Steal like an artist. Exactly. It's a good book, by the way. Who wrote it? Austin Cleon, I think. I'll have to check it out. Uh, Yeah, I have to. I'm very bad when I'm put on the spot and have to think about things. But yeah, but you said it with conviction. As long as you say it with conviction, and you did. Just go Google it. Steal like an artist. If I'm wrong about Austin, I'm sorry. Um, I think he's from Dayton. That that did stick in my mind. He's from Dayton. I think he lives in Austin, Texas now. Maybe that's where I'm getting Austin. I don't know. But art is subjective. And that's the thing. We can like bands. We can hate bands. You know, we can like art. We can hate art. You know, I'm not a big fan of Picasso, but I, I respect what he did. Um, I'm not going to cut my ear off like Van Gogh. I absolutely despise his art. And clearly a lot of people did too because he never sold anything the nine years or ten years he was an artist, which is quite amazing that they're selling for millions today. I hope uh, future generations of the Worth clan can make a little bit of money from my art someday because I'm surely not doing it. <laughs> Wouldn't that be neat though? I mean, do you it think would. you think somebody... Hey, I was thinking about this on the way out here. It's really, a sp- whether it's music or... Um, painting or anything like that. You know, Van Gogh has become immortal. Oh, yeah. Jimi Hendrix is immortal. Yeah. Do you think Jimi, I mean, we're not old enough to really experience Jimi the way Jimi was experienced, you know. I don't want to keep using the word experience. I know. I, th- <laughs> I mean, it's kind of... That, that's pretty good, though. It is. I didn't mean to do that. It just came out. But do you think there was a, a revolutionary kind of a thing about Jimi Hendrix. I mean, I hear his music. I mean, in fact, I going down the road yesterday on our way into town, we were listening to it, my wife and I, and I, of course, I, I don't think she knows who, who he is, but, you know, the the all along the watchtower part, when he sings that, the lyrics, I mean, it's just like, it really puts you in a place. It does me anyway. Well, that's what's funny. It's like my two favorite Hendrix songs are All Along the Watchtower and Hey Joe, and they're both covers. Yeah, yeah. So, and I connect with that song a lot more when I hear him sing it than when Bob Dylan sings it. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of that in music. I mean, Devil Driver, they, they do uh, sail. Oh, yeah, it's great. And I was listening to it last night with, uh, I'm on a Discord server with some friends and, and we went down our music rabbit hole where it just got silly last night. But, you know, covers, dope. Dope did a, a cover of um, that Flock of Seagulls song, uh, "Spin Me, You Spin Me Right Round" or some whatever. Well, not to from the eighties. Not to show myself, but that's "Dead or Alive" is is "Spin Me Right Around." That's not Flock of Flock of Seagulls is uh, "Ran So Far uh, Away." Oh, oh yeah, see, I wasn't good on the eighties stuff. You know, I was still I was Def Leppard in the eighties. I, I was still yeah, I was par- listening to Michael Jackson a lot. Paranoid or <laughs> paranoid? That's not the right. But I like Paranoid, too. That's a good oh, that's one. that's a good one. Yeah. I, that, there's, here's a question for you. I know we're just kind of uh, you know, all over the place here. but Oh, yeah. But, that's uh, what art is. Why do you think that uh, Bill Ward doesn't get any love? I don't know. That's a really good question. Because John Bonham, lots of love, and deservingly yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. Keith, Keith Moon. Moon. I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't I, I'm not saying he's a... You know, I'm not disparaging him in any way, but yeah. I don't see. I mean, he's he's no Bill Ward to me. No, no. Um, 
Who else from it? Ginger Baker. I mean, yeah. but she was an innovator. Maybe there was a personality thing there that didn't fit. But as a drummer for other drummers, I, I don't, I mean. And drummer, a, drummers in particular have bad personalities. I'm, I'm just going to say it right now. We're, we're like the divas in the back, you know. Everybody gives the singer such a hard time with, oh, he's got lead singer disease, you know, but. You know, well, drummer, Ginger Baker's a nightmare, and people love him. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I mean, that's, I think people true. can separate yeah. that. I mean, but I mean, Bill Ward was in one of the most influential bands ever. You know, you get Geezer Butler, greatest bass player ever. Yeah. You know, Tony Iommi. Yeah, Tony Iommi. You know, the Riff Man, the, the yeah. biggest influence everybody. But you never hear anybody talk about Bill Ward. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a that's always been a question of mine. When this last time they went out on tour, I was like, really, it's not. It, it's not really the band, you know? Yeah. Who was on this last leg? Was it still uh, was it Brad Wilk from Rage Against the Machine? I He's think, an awesome I, drummer. He though. is an awesome drummer. Um, I, I think some of the, maybe Bill's health wasn't as great as what, you know, people wanted it to be for right. the and, tour. And I think there is some personality uh, things there between him and, and Tony and, and maybe him and Ozzy. But still, it's like he's not, you know, they talk about, you know, Neil Peart, or they talk about John Bonham. But, mm-hmm. but you know, I want to see an up-and-coming drummer talk about, you know, they, they might yeah. talk about Sabbath, but they don't. I mean, this guy, you listen to this guy's drumming. He's solid. And he does some neat stuff. Yeah, man. yeah. I want to play with him. Yeah, it's it, he's got a unique um, way of taking different parts and, and, and not he making does. it simple. You know, it's it's a simple beat, but he, he makes it difficult, you know. Indeed. And he probably is a great guy. I've never met him, so I, I can't say. You know, being a drummer myself, most of us get along okay unless we have some sort of problem with each other because of what band we played in. It's almost like exes, you know. Oh, you play with that band. I can't like you. Well, you're drummers. You guys want to hit each other. Yeah. That's true. That's true. And that's fun. It is. It can be. <laughs> I remember my first time I hit another drummer. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's the first times. So let's hear it. <laughs> there was this this time. No, no, no. Let's, let's get off that subject. I, I I swore that I would never talk about it again. It was a lawsuit. And yeah, it got oh, bad. Oh goodness. Well, we'll have to. We'll edit that out. Yeah. He uh, he had troubles with you know different things. What about your first time on stage? Oh my God! Yeah. Um, I I was a band geek, so I want to say it was probably seventh grade wow yeah i i tried out for the basketball team and <laughs> short not very athletic artist musician type <laughs> at least you tried that. i joined the jazz band right after i did not make the team <laughs> so um what a coincidence yeah we bought we bought a a trap set as we called it then my first trap set um I don't even know what brand it was, but my dad and I, we cleaned it in the kitchen. Um, <laughs> steel wool, getting the rust off of it. You know, it was just a neighbor had it. I think we bought it for like a hundred bucks, the whole kit. And, and I stuck with that kit for a while, but um, I got into the jazz band and I, I'd played, you know, the typical concert band type stuff and uh, learned how to play a little bit. I wasn't very good. You know, I don't think anybody is when they're 12. Uh and I knew I wasn't good though, so that was a problem. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a you know that that holds you a little back a little bit. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and the swing. My my grandpa, he is uh, was he passed away a while ago, while ago, but he was a fantastic organist, uh, jazz jazz organist, and it really instilled jazz in me where I wanted to play jazz. You know, all the way from String of Pearls, all the way to you know the, the Count Basie's orchestra and things like that. And I had a love for metal, so as you might imagine, my first time here, I was playing. Um, just a, a typical swing beat. I remember playing a swing beat. I don't remember what song it was, but we were down at the bottom of the stage in the pit uh, for a concert band thing, and they wanted to introduce the the new jazz band for the middle school. And we got to playing, and uh, Tommy Lee took over in my brain. <laughs> oh boy! It went from a jazz beat <laughs> of uh, you know whatever was you know popular in the 1920s to a swing beat like. I don't know, more like uh, smoking in the boys' room from Motley Crue in the 80s. And it, it got, it was fun. I thought I was a god, you know? <laughs> but I wasn't. <laughs> and and those, those days stuck with me, you know? I, I kept learning, and I, I had a little bit of an insecurity because there were other drummers and musicians that were so much better than me. Uh, my brother, in, in particular, he's he's a fantastic trumpet player. And... You know, that's one of the reasons I don't play trumpet. I started out on trumpet because it was a hand-me-down, like everything else I had. I'm the youngest, so um, I don't I don't want to talk badly about that. It, my parents did really well for what, what we had. Dad was a factory worker. Mom was a stay-at-home mom. And my brother, six years older than me, I was learning how to play Mary Had a Little Lamb, and I was having a really tough time with that open G, I think it was on the trumpet i don't quote me on that because i can't remember i hated it if somebody could fact check that and yeah, yeah yeah um i'm pretty sure it was all the all the valves were open maybe it was the first and third valve down i can't remember honestly i, I was 10 right nine maybe fifth fifth grade I was 25 yeah. i think in fifth grade yeah. <laughs> i actually might have been so. <laughs> but he's down the hallway in his room playing maynard ferguson tunes <laughs> You know, and I'm like, what the hell? I'm going to be a drummer, you know, because at five years old, I had a drum set and I was, I was taking lessons down in Jim's music land. I don't know if you remember them or not. I, I remember people talking about them. And, uh, yeah, that's so my first time was, was kind of a epic moment for me to realize that I, I need to learn how to read music and get better at this because I'm lacking in actual talent. <laughs> <laughs> Not that people who read music are lacking in talent. I'm just saying. Well, plus, if your brother's doing something and he's proficient at it, you know, there's a part of you, you want to do your own thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? Nothing wrong with that. No, no. Um, I, I had a really musical family. My mom was also an organist, and, and she did really well. And, yeah, music, I think I think every musician has that in their family somewhere. That's probably what led them to it, maybe. Yeah. I, I got no musicians in my immediate family, but my mom played a lot of a lot of whole notes, a lot of foreigner, a lot of Zeppelin. It oh, that's it kind of wow. instilled that stuff that I didn't really know I liked till I got older. Yeah, but I had for me growing up, it was it was jazz, um, gospel music. My parents were um, devout Christians, so I heard a lot of actually pretty good gospel music. Um, and then you know, with with Grandpa sharing his jazz influences that really that got pretty fantastic and my dad every time we got in the truck it was you know the 
the good country. You know, the Hank Williams Sr. and, you know, everybody who wore black in those days. They were just you know, Johnny Cash. So I, I take that along with some of it. I, mean, I get a little cheesy as a metal player sometimes because that all comes out of me. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, though. <laughs> cheese is good. I it mean, is, people, it is. I like cheese, and there's all different kinds. So when know? was the first time you heard a metal record? album cd whatever the kids are calling it, it. was a cassette tape oh yeah i nice. said real big into cassette tapes uh metal too it's got to be metal yeah oh yeah that and the, the chrome what was a cr2 whatever yeah, they had yeah, that yeah, ones yeah, come yeah. out the high tech yeah better um, sound more fidelity it would have been <laughs> well coincidentally it's the same song that, that it was the first song i tried to play on bass uh which it would have been p cells by megadeth oh wow that's the first metal that i really remember that's the first cassette that i had that's that's really what yeah that's really what sent me down this path um no kidding yeah peace sales and that that whole album i mean i played the hell out of it and that led that's what led me to metallica mm-hmm. somebody told me mustaine was was in that van yeah, yeah. and i got to, i'd only heard justice for all so that was already out yeah and it was a bad copy to begin with uh, that I had, it was kind of warped, but I couldn't tell because somebody had said something about the bass sounding funny, and mm-hmm. you know I didn't know. And me being a bass player, I had never played with no one. I was just kind of messing right. around my room, so I didn't know what to listen for. And if you listen to it in a Walkman with bad batteries, it was like, <laughs> yeah, really? it sounded terrible. And I was like, well, I don't know about this Metallica, but no, the early stuff you got to check out. So I got to kill them all, and and uh, I got Ride the Lightning, and I'm looking through this stuff and. And I see, okay, Mustaine's name's on there on some of these songs. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, he don't play on it. And I'm listening. And uh, I was just kind of, I was getting bored with bass. You know, bass, you can't really play in your room by yourself. It's yeah, not like, yeah, you yeah. can with acoustic, but unless yeah. you're unless you're Billy Sheehan or Victor Wooten or somebody, mm-hmm. you're just not going to, you're not going to sit there and jam by yourself. Yeah. But then I heard Anesthesia. I'm like, wow, oh, this, yeah. this Cliff Burton guy, he, he was able to sit there and just play this bass. Man, look what you can do with this. Yeah. Listen what this guy's yeah, Cliff, doing. Cliff was a god. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I mean, that's it. You know, Megadeth was was my first metal really that I can remember that was actual it was real metal. The Rust in Peace album was was good anyway. I mean it was just the whole Well, that was Peace yards. that was Peace Cells. And oh, then yeah, yeah, and yeah. then I still um yeah, I was yeah. just starting to play, but then I saw them on the uh Clash of the Titans store. Yeah, yeah. Torn for uh, Rust in Peace. Yeah. Life-changing. Not a bad song on that whole record. No, no. Probably, in my opinion, one of the best metal records of all time. Top three, without a doubt. Yeah. But hmm. but that's it. Megadeth, Peace Sales. First, b- before that, I had, uh, I think I had uh, Thriller, Michael Jackson's Thriller, and Chipmunks albums. That was... <laughs> right. And I right. had a lot of singles. I had yeah. a lot of singles. Culture Club, singles, uh, I was thinking somebody posted "Swinging" by John Anderson. I had that on oh, yeah. on single forty uh, fives. You know, uh, so there was somebody else I was real into. I had the all the eighty stuff basically. Yeah. yeah, like like I said, my brother was six years older than me, and and I don't think he's going to listen to the podcast. So I'll go ahead and say it. I stole his Kiss album. It was a platinum album, uh, a big one. I'll probably get the shit beat out of me for this now if he does hear it. But I went into his room which I was not allowed to do. And uh, he was gone doing something. 
And I was tooling around looking in his closet. And I was like, oh, wow, what's this? What's this silvery looking, you know? And and mom and dad had already, I had a Mickey Mouse record player. And I had a little 45 with Beth on the B side and uh, Detroit Rock City on the A side. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so I, I wore the, I wore many needles out on that, which coincidentally, I, I really don't like Kiss. And, and I know we have friends who uh, do. And uh, I, nothing against them. I just, it, it's just not my music anymore, really. I, I, I don't want to say I outgrew it on my Mickey Mouse record player, but it just, I can't do it. Well, people's tastes change and evolve. Yeah, yeah, and- yeah. So, and, and I went through the Michael Jackson thriller phase. I think everybody our age did in the 80s. It's still a great album. It is. Lewis Johnson on bass. That stuff was affecting me before I even knew it. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, he was a great writer. Yeah. I mean, the the music, all that stuff. I mean, it even translates well into metal. I think there was a Alien Ant Farm did something. I, uh, I don't remember what it was. Was it Annie? Or, are you okay? What's it? Smooth Criminal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it all, in, in every, I think every metal band has done something as a cover from pop music. It's funny how it just translates well. It almost always does. A lot of good t- tunes back there. Production, not so well, but a, yeah. lot, a lot of good, a good song, something yeah. takes you back. It's a good song. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you were saying you stole uh, his Kiss record. Yeah, I stole his Kiss record, and that was that was probably my first hard rock type thing. I, I don't remember. I remember I had a, I had a friend over, um, and he introduced me to Iron Maiden. Oh. And he's like, dude, I, I, I got this got this really cool cassette from my brother. You got to hear it. So the the in this time frame, um, I had a boom box. <laughs> right, I got it for Christmas one year. And, and uh, it had a the ability to play one cassette and record to a blank cassette on the other side, which was the early days of ripping music, which... I didn't yes. see anything wrong with it, and I think that's why a lot of people do it today. Back on that, but well, like we said, that's it was a little different though. The yeah, qual- yeah, quality wasn't quite there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't get the whole package. It's- yeah, so I I ripped the, the tape while he was there, and I remember, and my parents were fantastic about letting me explore all kinds of music. They never really judged me on anything I listened to. They didn't really tell me. I mean, it wasn't like you know, oh my God, you're listening, to it. you're going to hell. You know, it, they were Christians, but it wasn't. You know, they weren't. They weren't damning me right off the bat. And, um, oh, his name just slipped my mind. The the actor that's in the beginning of uh, 666. Is it Vincent Price? Vincent Price, yes. You could hear his voice, you know, and saying that, that whole, <laughs> oh, you know, man. mom heard that and she's like, Michael, um, you need to get rid of that. That's that's not really something you need to listen. No, mom, they're great. It's a it's just a British band, you know. The British aren't bad. <laughs> so you know, which I still love them. And and um, coincidentally, um, that band was started what forty three years ago on Christmas. Yes, I think I think I read that on Facebook today, or a couple of days ago. It was a long time. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, probably another one of the best bass players I've ever heard. Oh. You know, Steve Harris. Steve, yeah, 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 yeah. Plays flat wound strings. Coincidentally, I'm terrible with names. Flat wounds and metal. It's crazy, but <laughs> it's one of the most influential bassists of all time. Yeah, he had that 
that whole gun thing going on for yeah. him when he'd come out and play. I'm at a loss. I just love Iron Maiden. I know people. Be, <laughs> I know there's a lot of people who who think, oh, okay, yeah, it's the typical, you know, oh, you liked Iron Maiden, you know, but I still listen to Iron Maiden. Bruce Dickinson or Paul Diano or Blaze Bailey? Oh wow, um, the Killers was a good album. That's that's a good record. So I, I really can't I can't deny the old punk sound that they had in the beginning. Not such a fan of the new stuff. Can I admit it? You know, went from peace of mind and got a little bit more progressive in some of the things they were doing. Which I mean, you know, they've been around for a long time, so they've got to they've got to adapt. And that can you imagine artists, how bored you'd have to get? Like, oh my god! Like you, you have all this success that you know I could only dream of. You've written all these great songs, and the amount of pressure to content. How do you write? Number the Beast again. Yeah. How do you write Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner again? Yeah. Run to the Hills again. Yeah. Well, you open a ribs place in Florida and you start playing them like a cover band. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. That's Nico McBrain. Yep. <laughs> Have you been there? No. no I haven't no. either. I'd... Road trip, maybe. No, and there's a guy, Nico, who was there. I forget what video it is, but he's actually in, he's in the video dressed up, I believe, like Eddie. Yeah, and he's got fire and stuff coming out, and then here, like so many years later, he's their drummer. Yeah, you know, he have was you, like on the road crew or something. I think. Have you heard the story of Eddie? Why he's named Eddie? No, I have really? a feeling I'm about to lay it on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do it. Let's have some tequila. Let's do it. Let's do tequila while we're talking about Eddie. So, I heard this. I don't really remember exactly where I heard it, who I heard it from, but you know, with the British accent, when somebody would say uh, a head. Like, here's a head of something. You know, the sound is really not there. It's, well, look at the head on that. You know, <laughs> my apologies to everybody who speaks the, speaks the actual Queen's English because I'm, you know, I'm a bastard from the United States. But um, they started out with this drawing of Eddie. And it was just a head on stage at the time. It wasn't the whole thing, right? Like we see today with a big animatronic looking Eddie coming out doing his thing. So they had to give him a name. Of course they were always, it's an Ed. It's Eddie. Wow. So really? You know, yeah. Yeah. Are you making this up? No, I'm not making this up. Wow. This is, and Bruce makes some really good beer too. I'm not making that up either. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I knew he flies yeah. planes, but I didn't know he was, he does everything. I saw him on He's stage. A Renaissance man. He beats people up too. It's pretty cool. No shit. He pulled a guy up. I saw him on his uh, solo tour, which I like his solo records. But uh, he was playing. Adrian Smith was with him. Yeah. Saw him at Al Rosa Villa, famous Al Rosa Villa. Oh, yes. And uh, he's not real. He don't like uh, moshing. He don't like pitting. He don't like that. And uh, my friend's band opened up for him, and he he let it be known he didn't like that. He didn't like, <laughs> like moshing and pitting. He told him that. So he's up there singing, and... Uh, some guys down there bumping into the girl next to him, man, it just pissed him off. Really? And he put his hand down from the stage, uh, and the guy was like, well, like, yeah, yeah, I thought he was going to high-five him. Bruce pulls the guy up on stage. Bruce ain't like a real tall or huge guy or anything. Yeah. Gets this guy, wrestles him, gets him in a, in a, in a chokehold, and they go back and forth, you know, on the stage for a minute, and then he gets him over to, 
stage right and gives him security, gets his ass thrown out. <laughs> I cannot imagine seeing Bruce at the El Rosa Villa. But see, that's live. This guy's done, what, probably four or 500,000 shows in his life. Yeah. And I got to be at that one, see him, you know, yeah. choke this, somebody out. For, for those of you who don't know, the El Rosa Villa is a, a really nice, really fantastic, legendary rock venue in Columbus, Ohio. Um, I won't bring up the negative side of things, but uh, that may be where some of you have heard the news on the negative, but it is a fantastic place. A lot of local bands play there on a regular basis. It's uh, still my all-time favorite yeah, stage Rick, to be Rick on. Rick Catella, the rock and roll reverend, is a legend in his own right. Um, fantastic place. Uh, I love it. What is it, about 700 people capacity? <sighs> I think around there, 650, 700, something yeah. like that. I'm terrible with numbers. Yeah, that's where I saw Crowbot the first time. Yeah, that's where I saw um, it. Yeah, we were there at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, keep bringing up Crowbot. If you haven't heard Crowbot, they're they're a fantastic band. Yeah, we they don't pay us, but they're great. Just, yeah. just please listen to them. And yeah, buy their CDs. Tell them Mike sent you and yeah, Paul. Yeah. He'll know. I want to see them again. I photographed them. They, they was a really pleasure. They were there. It was a real pleasure to photograph that band. They, they got were a, super nice. They got a new bass player and drummer. I'd, I'd like to hear them live, see what they yeah. sound like with this. Uh, yeah. I noticed a lot at that show we were at, uh, a lot of stuff they played from the first record. You could tell that playing that, you know, so many times, and and uh, like they played Rock on the Range mm-hmm. and some other shows, how the songs the songs had kind of gotten heavier, and I really liked them. Like, yeah. The CD's great. Yeah. The CD's great, but hearing them songs live was just to another level it, yeah. it was i never looked at my phone once i i was just in awe and i remember yeah. thinking to myself this must have been what it was like seeing zeppelin and and 67 oh, yeah, before yeah. anybody knew who they were i was like i really felt like that i got to i got to see this and and before anybody else did, oh yeah you know if i'm going to paint a picture for somebody about crowbot on my itunes list they are the mac and cheese of my itunes i mean i know that no matter what i do i'm gonna get fulfilled yeah you know, every time I turn them on, it's good. Let's have some of this delicious Casa Nobel. Let's do. I, I have never had this tequila. It's a, it's a Blanco, which means silver. Is that right? I, white. I think Blanco is white in, in Spanish. Isn't okay. It? Yeah. Yeah. Probably. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just. Tequila is in school. If I say it with, uh, <laughs> if I say it with conviction, yeah. ask it again. I'll, t- I'll tell you. Blanco. Is it? That means white in Spanish. That, I think. that, oh, okay, yeah. I got this as a gift uh, last year. So, yeah, for it's, Christmas. it's clear, which means it did not age in a barrel. Is that what that means? Yeah, yeah, because uh, whiskey gets its color from the wood in the aging process, the, the, the char that's inside the wood. I'm a, I'm a Patron Silver guy. You know when I do drink, uh, but and eighteen hundred is pretty good. Eighteen hundred is good. Yeah, um, eighteen hundred knocks me on my ass. So. I don't understand how if it's a mental thing or what, but when I drink, if I drink a big shot eighteen hundred, I feel that immediately. The silver, yeah. So that's all I, I, I don't like any of the, the barrel aged. Uh, okay, yeah. But uh, and this casa, uh, why don't you? Just, it's kind of a it's kind of a nice mix. I'm going to have to look up some of these words. I should know this stuff. You should. I mean, I mean you you are the thirsty muse. <laughs> was retired. <laughs> Let's let's try this. Let's see what. Okay. Happens. All right. Cheers. Cheers to you. Skull. It's got a very interesting, 
interesting flavor. It's good. Is it 100% blue? I don't know. It, it is. I can't read. 100% blue agave. I'm going to read it the way I would say it because I don't, I don't speak Spanish. I'm not, I don't want to butcher it, but it's like de agave azul, maybe. See. Si. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple of white kids in Ohio here trying to figure out yeah, languages. We, yeah, we don't know. We can barely figure out our own language. You yeah, know. yeah. And making whiskey is an art form. It really is. The master distillers, they spend a lot of time learning their craft. At, at some degree, thinking in terms of art as a musician, and, and the whole premise of this show is I want to talk to people who are just creative, you know, all walks of art, you know, as, as in all walks of life. Um, art has taken us in so many different directions, personally, each of us. And I think as artists, we, we do have to walk our own journey and find our own um, voice, so to speak. What has your music done in terms of bringing you to where you are today? You know, just... Wow, everything that I have that is because of music. I mean, Mm -hmm. I met... uh, uh, Not necessarily met, but like my uh, daughter's mom music was a big thing that brought us together. Mm-hmm. So I feel like in a lot of ways I wouldn't have my daughter if not for music. It's brought most of my closest and lifelong friends that I have today is because of music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't, when you're 19, 20, 21, you're trying to make it, you're trying to um, achieve this goal that, doesn't really even exist but you don't know that then mm-hmm. you know it defines you being a musician defines you and i don't feel like like it defines a lot about me and a lot about my personality but it doesn't totally define me but it's a big part of who i am mm-hmm. and that's kind of the difference but it's it's given me you know everything that i am is because of being an artist being right. a musician right and not just not just because of the act of art itself, mm-hmm. but the the uh, tentacles. That, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. The things that grow out of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. The friendships you get. I mean, you. Um, I wouldn't know you. If yeah, enough, yeah. I wouldn't be sitting here. You know. Yeah. It's just it's it's really crazy. Yeah, I think the first time I photographed you um, was at a small club here in Chillicothe, Ohio. Um, I actually think I was there for Cellbound, a band out of Cleveland. The drummer's from here. Yeah, he's the drummer in the Dan Haters, actually. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I forgot about that. I don't really remember. I think I may have done a show at Peabody's. Might have been a Mushroom Head show. I don't remember. I was covering somebody, and I met some different people, and it led me to, hey, I need to do a show in my hometown. or something. I can't remember. Was Cellbound playing with Grimstone then? Is that what that was? Yes, it was with Grimstone, uh, your band, Grimstone. I sang in that band. Yeah. Um, I remember the lighting was challenging. <laughs> it was always challenging there. <laughs> um, you know, some some of you guys who are doing rock photography or music photography in general, you know, it, we aspire a lot of times to have our stuff look like it's published in Rolling Stone, and the only way to get there is to shoot in shit light 
for a long time before you can move on into to better venues. And I was fortunate. I came up pretty quick. I uh, went, wow, I shot, I shot your band, um, probably in May. I think it was May if I remember right. And I bet by that summer I was shooting arenas, which was just crazy. So you me. hadn't been shooting a lot of, uh, no, rock concerts no, before then? I didn't realize no. that. No, prior to that, it was uh, weddings, senior pictures, you know, the typical, hey, I can make a dollar on this. Really? Yeah, yeah. And uh, my brother and I decided we were going to kind of part ways with Worth Arts. That's what we called it. And uh, he wanted to do the weddings and senior pictures because it was, you know, it was, it was a gig. It was It was something we could count on. And... I didn't want to step on his toes and do the same thing. And I really thought, you know, I'm an artist. I'm a painter primarily. And if I'm going to do something that I want to do with my photography, I, what, that's what led me into music and shooting bands and things. I just, I wasn't playing a lot of music at the time and I missed music. I really missed being there. Um, there's a, for those of you who aren't musicians, there's a crack like effect for a musician when there's live music, you know, the rattle of the, the, the speakers and the, the hum, the, the, all the, all the stuff. energy, the energy yeah, from yeah. people. Yeah. It's just crazy. Ugh. It's, it's very addictive and it, it's hard not to want to be a musician once you've done it. And I think that's art in general. Once you've done something with art, it's hard to put it aside. And I think that's why so many of us, you know, we, we look at our jobs and we, we look at it and go, well, you know, I just, I don't want to have to work, you know? <laughs> and it's like, you have to, because it's so hard to make a living as an artist. And I, I that's really where I want to go with the show. And in fact, and, um, this is the first show. So it's my first time too with this. And, um, tell me about the first time you did this show. How do you think it's going? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fun. We've been talking for about an hour, hour, nine minutes, maybe. Uh, I'll probably edit this down a little bit. Miss some, you know. I'm, I'm not going to take anything out. I, I don't want to. I want to be he, raw. Well, yeah, but the people you know? listen don't know. He's he's saying that, but he could take yeah, out all. We've kinds been of- talking for 14 hours, and it's you know no, um, you know the the whole idea of I still have a lot of good connections in the music industry, and I don't have enough reach to really get their handlers to say, yeah, we'll put him on your show, and that's fine. I'm not saying I won't do that, but I really want to talk to working musicians. And when I say working musicians, working artists, uh, painters, sculptors, musicians, um, performers, everybody, everybody who has a creative hand in something that we all enjoy after the fact, I don't care if they have a job. It's, it's kind of the way things are today. Well, this is where we're all at, man. It's like 1% of 1% is what you see on TV, is what yeah. you hear on the radio. All the rest of us all over the country, we're punching a clock and we're trying to fulfill our our artistic muscle oh, yeah. as much as possible. And, and now's the best time to do it. Right. We've got YouTube. We've got these podcasts. Everybody's a publisher today. There's no reason why you should be Chad in his basement. You know, with a hot pocket, screaming at mom, saying you're going to be a badass on Facebook because somebody didn't like your music, you know. Um, but to take take this more seriously, 
I, th- I think every one of us as an artist has a, has a voice and a story to tell. And that's really why I started this, this whole all walks of art podcast. Um, I appreciate you coming on the show for the first time. Uh, I appreciate you having me. It's, it's been fun. Uh, it has been fun. Uh, I'm glad you got to experience scotch for the first time. Yes. It's, I, I kind of like it. It is good. It is good. And I, I thank you for bringing the Cassell, Casa Noble. It is noble. Yep. Not Nobel. Noble, Nobel. I don't it's, know. It's a tequila. Um, I've never had it. It is good. Um, but yeah, it, art wise, I, I could probably go on about this for quite some time and I won't, but I, I just want to say the, the kicker for me, artistically speaking, uh, being a musician, being a painter, being a photographer uh, and writer, I do too much. I think, <laughs> um, I, I personally feel like I have to make something and I have to get it out there. It's, it's not so much that it, it's not a, Hey, look what I did kind of thing. It's, I made this like it or don't like it. Do you think your music's like that? I think at this point in my life, it is, you, like I said earlier, you strive to, to reach this, you know, unattainable goal that it, it seems like. But I think as time goes on, the the people that are successful, and and there's a lot of levels of success, you know, the people that are successful are happy with the journey. I'm happy where I am in life. I sell I sell CDs mm-hmm. all over the world, you know. Am I going to quit my day job and uh, live off that money? No, but it gives me a sense of pride knowing that somebody over in another country who I never would have met, uh, any other way has listened to my music and, and heard me sing or heard me play bass and check that out. That's cool, man. And I'm happy as hell by that. Would I love to be playing hundred thousand seat arenas and, and just doing that? Yeah. And yes. I mean, that's the short answer. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. But, you can still want that and you can try to, to get that, but you have to be happy doing what you're doing. If, if I'm, nobody's a success if you measure it by that. Such right. A, right. It's gotta be the journey. Yeah. It, it has to be. I've, I've actually had conversations with people on a tour bus. And I won't say who they are who have envied the whole process of, man, I wish I could just go back to playing small clubs. Yeah. And nobody know who I am. I mean that movie Rockstar. I know how cliche that movie was, but it was the story was in there, right? Of of you know this the excess gets to be annoying, and I think to some degree, every artist out there at the level of of the struggle, you know, trying to find that success. I think you found it. I think it's there. It's you're making shit. As you're long as you're it. happy and you and you feel if you can do something at the end of the day. And and feel like you're creative. I think you're you're there. Yeah. But like I touched on at the beginning, I think a lot of it is: Am I going to reach that level of immortality? Mm-hmm. And you know, it sucks. It's a, I've thought a lot about a lot about this. That's how am I going to be able to make my mark? Unlikely, unlikely. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm gone, some of my music will live on mm-hmm. past me, and that's cool. But you know, Jimmy's always going to be remembered. Oh yeah, you know, Picasso. Yeah. Always going yeah, to be yeah, yeah. remembered. 
And that's the know? immortality of it. Yeah. Is you want to be remembered for what you did. That's success. I yes. want, I want to, I hope, and I'm still, I'm still here. I'm still making music. I'm still doing my thing. And I hope I can do that. But at the same time, I've had, I've gotten emails from, from people that's listen to some of my old stuff or, or this, and they'll pick out a certain lyric that, I wrote or a song that they liked and it's somebody I don't know. And, and, you know, they found me on Facebook and that is cool, man. That's, I feel like, you know, I, I made a difference. I connected with another human being through my music. Fuck man. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> right, right. You know, that's, yeah. that's awesome. It is. And that's why I get chills just thinking. Oh about yeah, it. absolutely. And well, even yeah. hearing you talk about it, I've, I've got in my mind, I, I got visions of, of when I went to see you play live with, with Grimstone and MG Flash and, and those things. And yeah, there, there's a, there's a connection there that you just, you will never have unless you're a creator yeah. of yeah. some kind. It's, and it's beautiful. And if you don't appreciate that, and if you don't love that, and if that ain't enough for you, if, if that ain't it, if that ain't enough, yeah, you're in it for the wrong reasons. You're, you're in for the, you're going to be yeah. disappointed, man. You're yeah. going to have a sad life doing yeah, this. Yeah. It's not a commodity. No. You're not creating an inventory of music or art or anything. You're you're trying to leave a legacy. And I think that's what pretty much is the the end all be all for every creative out there. It's yeah, we want some level of of success. I don't think I don't think there's a creative out there who doesn't want to do it full no. time. But at some level you also don't want to lose your identity and sell out. And that's that's where sell out comes, in my opinion. Selling out is not becoming wealthy. Selling out is when you finally do it for somebody else and not yourself. Yeah. There's nothing there's nothing about success that makes you a sellout. Right. It's all about compromising yourself yeah. and doing stuff that you don't believe in just because you think that's what success is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we just solved every world problem on the planet. I think we've done it. Are we going to get the Nobel Peace Prize while we drink Casa del Bell? <laughs> Maybe. I'm going to step it up a notch and probably go with like a 20 or 30-year-old Glenn Fittich. Uh, Fittich. I don't know if they make it. I'm going to have to look. I don't know. If only we had Google. I, I got a question for you. So uh, <laughs> when's the first time that you painted something and thought, damn, man, I'm... This is really good. I, really, I was four. I got something here. I was four. Are you serious? <laughs> no, no, oh. no, no. I, I remember, and I'm glad you asked this question because, um, again, we get, we get a lot of our creativity from our family. I think um, we, you know, you might be interested in music for an album your sister bought you, or you know, your dad taking you to a concert or something. I don't know, but I had an aunt, and um, she. She was my grandpa's sister. Uh, she was an artist, and her her influence on me was was incredible. When I was young, I would you know I did the I remember probably around seven years old. I I think I don't know. I don't remember my age. I was little. I uh, my dad bought me a whole bunch of, and I learned my art from my dad. Actually, he he taught me a lot starting out, but. Let me rewind here a little bit. My my aunt Anna Marie. Your, she was your dad's mom or your mom's mom. My my grandpa's mom or my grandpa's sister. Great aunt. Yes, great aunt. She um. She was visiting one day, and I remember my dad bought me a whole bunch of Walter Foster how to draw books. 
and I spent a lot of time learning the, you know, the shorthand of how to draw and, and do this and do that, get the pen and ink out and work on it, you know, from traditional pen and ink styles. But I, I took, this is a vivid memory. I took a drawing of a horse head that I did from the how to draw horses book by Walter Foster. And I took it out there and I remember hearing Anne Marie saying, wow, he's, he's really gifted. You guys really need to uh, make sure he follows this fashion. And uh, it stuck with me and I, uh, I still go with that quite a bit. And, and a lot of, a lot of the work I do today, it's, it's still, I wonder what she would think, you know, if she saw it, she was in the nursing home. My, my wife was also in the nursing home at the time. Long story. I won't go there. Um, so I wanted to go visit Anna Marie while she was in there and I took some paintings in with me. I, I told her I'd be back with some paintings, new stuff. And, uh, she was so eloquent with her words on how to explain what a painting was, you know, or a style. And she just completely unloaded on me with stuff I've never heard anybody ever say. Wow. <laughs> it was, it was fantastic. And this was like, you know, just a few years ago. Uh, she's, she's passed away. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think the, all young artists need that sort of encouragement, uh, regardless of how good or bad they are. And I know, I know this can be a very controversial thing saying to praise somebody for doing crap. I get that, but is it crap if the child loves it? You know, and at some point you kind of have to go, "Wow, he's really passionate about this. Just let him let him enjoy it." That's true. But I think also the other side of that, you see a lot of this, like the American Idol stuff, where oh, where, yeah, they, yeah, where, yeah. where these guys just think they're great, and they get they get in front of all these people, and I mean, it's like how do they not hear this? Yeah. And here they've been told by their family that they can that they're such great singers, and they're yeah. It, so music's, music's not as subject. I, I guess music's not as subjective as art. Like you as don't a painting. think? No. No, I don't. And actually, when we're sitting here thinking about this, as we're talking about this, it made me think for a second. I kind of poked fun a little bit about Alan. Not Alan. Sorry about that. That will be edited out. Um, Van Gogh. Um, and, and even Picasso. You know, it could be looked at as crap. It really can. And I've heard people say, Jackson Pollock. I don't know if you know who Jackson yeah. Pollock is, but... To me, and I'm not trying to be brutal about this, but it looks like what's left over when you hire a bunch of painters to come paint your house and they pick up their 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 throw canvases on the floor. You know, it's just what it looks like. You know, did he have encouragement that said, "Oh, you can do this"? And then my second question is, who pays $150,000 in the 1950s to buy that? But if it's not just a status thing, if, if somebody looks at that and it connects with them on an emotional level, yeah, yeah, there's something about it, man. But going there's, back to the 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 idol thing, and when you get a really bad, out of tune, out of key singer, is it okay? Hendrix wasn't a great singer. Hendrix hated, he wasn't a great singer. He, but, ha- he hated he hated his singing. He he hated. I've seen this in, in really? a lot of things. Yeah, he. He didn't like it. He really wanted to have a singer in his band. But it wasn't so abstract that you could, you know what I mean? But look how polarizing somebody like Brian Johnson is. True. Um, Axl Rose 
Axel yeah. Rose, I mean, one of my favorite singers. Yeah. Is not a great he doesn't have a great he's not a great singer, but he's great with what he's got and it makes him awesome. Yeah, and it was very Cob- it was different in the nineteen eighties when he when they came out. Cobain. Yeah, yeah. So how how is Cobain's voice any different than a Jackson Pollock? Well, I guess I guess you bring up a good point. And it made me think there are still mechanics involved. There are still legitimate technique involved. And and I could I could go on with this into great detail without I, I guess I won't, but you know, there has to be a master of the medium at some level. So to say somebody singing out of key was like Jackson Pollock throwing paint on a canvas is probably not fair. You don't think? No, no, probably not. Because I think he knew what he was doing. I think he had some sort of technique involved where he was like, this is exactly what I want it to be. A guy like Zappa that will play guitar all weird, but yeah. he's meaning to do that. But yes. he could play He could play anything if he wanted. Yeah, yeah. And Picasso was actually a really good realist in the beginning. <laughs> if you go back and look at his academic um, studies when he was in, uh, I forget where he was at, but anyway, he, he actually did work that was on par with the, the, I'm a realist. Okay. I'm a traditionalist. I'm a classical artist in that regard. And I know for some people it's boring. Um, there was a time when Picasso just said, you know, I'm not going to make a mark for myself if I look like everybody else. And that's, you know, he's, I guess you could think of him as the Frank Zappa of art, you know? Yeah. There, there's a lot of people. I, if you're listening to this right now and you're thinking to yourself, okay, we're, we're talking about Picasso, but wasn't he like a, an old guy? No, he died in 1972. You know, we, we revere Picasso as one of these old. Did he really? Yeah, yeah. He, See, I'm being educated Yeah, here. he just, it really wasn't that long ago. 1972, no, yes. Really? Yes. It's it's crazy because you know, you wow. The the average person, I think, looks at, you know, the museum paintings and they think Rembrandt, and they think Van Gogh, they think, you know, all these 17th century, 18th century, and right. 19th century painters and they they don't realize that these movements, these impressionistic movements, these cubism mu- movements abstract movements they're relatively new and the classical realism kind of died off and became not so avant-garde and became boring uh, critics didn't like it it was stale it was oh anybody can do that a little bit training you know and it makes me think about music you know you go to juilliard you go to berkeley are you not going to sound like everybody else who graduated from Berkeley? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Yeah, but I, I think if you got if you got something different inside you, that's it's going to come. Yeah, out. Yeah, and that's where the mechanics come involved. That's where the technique is taught. That's you know I'm not I'm not saying you don't go to school uh, if that's what you want to do. I I personally did not. I don't think it's necessary. But you have to be very. Um astute at wanting to learn you have to understand you have to get in there and find out why your medium works the way it does and and like you with music you have to find out why the key works this way and why it doesn't 
you know, you can't just throw this scale in there because it sounds cool. Why can't you? You're asking a drummer. I don't know. I, I, you know, but you can't, but yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah. got a guy like, you got a guy like Steve Vai and then you got a guy like Cobain whose mm-hmm. guitar was basically out of tune most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. But, but he was able to connect on a level yeah. and write songs and, you know, he's outsold Steve I by billions. Oh, yeah, yeah, know? absolutely. And Steve I's got all this technical knowledge. It's like, you know, I don't I don't think that, uh, you know, Steve I could play like Cobain, but I don't think Cobain had the knowledge to play like uh, Steve I. True. But, you know, he put a couple chords together. It sounded cool. Yeah. And when was the first time you heard Nirvana? Speaking of first times. Uh, it was when Buzzards was it what Buzzards Nest Records? Is that what it was? There was a girl there that was in the them and Beck, and it's like check this out. And I heard Teen Spirit, and I thought, well, that that's pretty cool. Yeah. And but I mean, I thought, you know, it's just a kind of a punky kind of style band. Not yeah. really my thing. It wasn't my thing either. I I I, I think it was needed. I think we got so caught up in the hairspray in the 80s that baby everything was sounding alike and that, that takes right. us back to the whole classical realism thing as a as a painter every if everything looks the same it does kind of get boring it does you get tired of it production is a big part of that too yeah. i think some of those bands might have sounded different if you know you had a lot more label control back then labels pushing for you know well this band's big you need to sound like yeah 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 Maybe we'll never know. You know, some of those bands might have had something different to offer. Maybe it wouldn't have imploded on itself. But yeah. I never would. I would have never in a million years thought that Nirvana would have been the biggest band to ever exist. Like, oh, yeah. like it happened. Yeah. I just and the Foo, Foo Fighters came out of. You know, that's my big problem. You got is Dave Grohl. Mm-hmm. Dave Grohl. You know, he's in not just one, but two of the most successful bands. Yeah, it's crazy. Ever. Uh, same way with um, Corey Taylor. You got Slipknot. Yeah. You got Stone Sour. Stone it's like, Sour was first, right? I think way back yeah. before. Yeah, it's like, hey man, make some room for the rest of us here. You've already got. You've already. You've already You're got hogging the, the plate. There's, man. there's only so many hours on the radio. Uh, you know, maybe I want to get my song on there. It's like you've already made eighty billion dollars. Let let me make let me make five. You know, that's my real problem. When was the first time you ever got paid for music? And I, I know we're going to need to wrap this up, but I really wanted to. I've got a. I've got an agenda here. The first time and paid at all, or paid yeah. in actual physical money. Paid to be an artist. Man, there's. I mean, you sell MG Flash, right? And we sold uh, we sold Millennia Discs, and we sold T-shirts, and. We made we made a lot of money at local bars playing playing uh, music. It seems like we played a party back in those days, and we made like twenty five dollars. We all got like yeah. five dollars or something. I can't remember <laughs> the exact, but but uh, I remember playing like the Stardust and yeah, yeah. and uh, making making money as a group that we put back into the band. Um, I remember that, but I don't really remember the first time I actually got money in my hands. I remember getting a tab, yeah. and as a non-drinker... You were the only one that went home with money. Well, no, we would get the tab, 
but um you know all the the rest of the band got to enjoy that and i didn't get nothing they all got oh, to drink for free yeah, 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 you know they, yeah. they got free drinks yeah you know, that, that sucks. Yeah. So every now and then I'd go ahead and get a shot and I would just sip on it. Yeah. And I'd say, Hey, I'm getting, I, that's the first time I really remember. That was a gig down in, um, Richmond, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I think it was. And I had a long Island iced tea. That was my pay. Wow. That was my pay for playing that little bar, but it was cool, man. We sold yeah. some CDs. Yeah, we, that's cool. That is really cool. I, you know, I'm not going to ask you if it changed you because, you know, it, it clearly didn't make you a millionaire. Money was never, <laughs> no, money was never. It, it's, it's nice though, right? You know? It is. It's it's nice to feel like your your art was appreciated. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. But, you know, it, it's like you. If you want to, if you want to be in demand and, and you want to just stay busy for busy sake, you shoot yeah. weddings or you paint portraits for, right, for right. people. If I want to be a working musician, I play covers. Right. I have neither the talent nor the desire or the ability to to do that. That's just not my. I can't do it. I can't yeah. do it. I don't want to do it. It's and just, even some of the people who are really good at covers, they're just it's thin. You know what I mean? It there, is. But a, some people are. Ha- I, as I've gotten older, I've seen. I've seen that there's an art form in that on its own. There is. And and you can take a cover and you can play it exactly like them and that's that's an art in itself or you can do your own thing with it yeah and that's it but there's a billion and a half working musicians right now playing playing somewhere now on a what is it thursday is today thursday yes i've been off work for a couple days i'm confused thursday yes it's uh (laughs) and there's somebody playing give me three steps in a little bar somewhere right now yeah and and greta might be playing too that Maybe they're opening for him playing some <laughs> playing some black dog. I'm sorry. If you like Greta, that's that's hey. your that's your choice. It's subjective, right? Derivative is different. Leave me a bad comment on iTunes <laughs> when you hear that. Just just tear me up. <laughs> but as long as they're happy and that's their way of making art, I'm I got no problem with it. But true. But to me it would be no different than punching a clock. And I already yes. do that. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want those two things to bleed into each other. And that brings us full circle. Which I'm so glad you did that because I brought my agenda into I'm place. Good. I'm good, man. You're fantastic at this. It's almost like we're on the same wavelength, and you know, oh wow, it's just great. But anyway, money as the sellout side of things can change you, and I think a lot of musicians. I mean, can you imagine playing your top hit every single time you play? That would have to get so old. Oh, it'd burn you out. It'd burn I, I, you it'd out. It'd drive me crazy. Lisa, my wife, she loves um, Shine Down. Absolutely loves Shine Down. And without going into great detail, I had I had the opportunity to photograph Shine Down. I ended up back on the tour bus with another band. Oh, did you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just hanging out with friends. Oh, okay. It, there were cookies, fantastic cookies. Oh, really? Yeah, mm, interesting. This woman, uh, Dina. We'll call her Dina. She knows who she is. Uh, she saved my life with cookies. <laughs> anyway, I did not shoot Shine Down. I went back to the bus and had cookies. Seriously, it got quiet there. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I'm just trying to process this. They were yeah. cookies. I'm I'm not kidding. They were I mean, a little bit of alcohol, but they were cookies. D- did they have like wheat in them or something? No, no, they did not. Really? Yeah, because you know. At, at the plant, we can't have any of that in us. And I'm a meth head, according to the plant. So oh, yeah. 
you know. The plant. People don't know what the plant is, yeah, but you'll the, have to explain that. Yeah, I have to pee in a cup a lot at, at this particular place I work. And um, Zantac, for those of you who don't know, actually can trigger methamphetamine-like results in one of these $7 um, tests that could affect your livelihood for the rest of your life. You know, and, and luckily they figured it out that it was the Zantac. The good old false positive cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you no, know, there was nothing in the cookies that would uh, prevent me from pissing clean. Okay. But, uh, yeah, my wife, back back to my wife on this, though, the whole reason I started this, she loves that band. And every time she gets ready in the morning, yeah, she's doing something around the house, they're on. And I like Shine Down too, but not anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, oh my God, I can only hear 45 so many times in a day. <laughs> so imagine them. They can't get away I from know. it. No, it got me thinking. It's like, ah, so when you produce music, at some level when you play live, now you're not playing live enough that I know of to where these songs would get burned out on you i'm sure there's probably a moment where you go really we got to play that one again yeah even at this level yeah. playing you know at in flash we try to pick and choose our our gigs mm-hmm. we 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 make decent money doing it we uh we try to have good shows you know we've had enough bad shows in our old bands and stuff that we try to mm-hmm. we try to avoid that but even that it's like let's mix the setup a little bit we played this song the last couple times and you know i'm not i haven't played more than three days in a row in a long time. You know, it's usually, you know, one or two days. We do it on the weekends, and it's songs we wrote and songs that we love, and you still get sick of it. I think that that playing playing the same the same song, you know, we'll look at Maiden. People go see Maiden. Yeah, they got to hear Trooper. Yeah, they don't want to hear this new stuff. They want to hear... Yeah. And and when they don't, when they do, like this last tour, they played a lot of the, the... newer stuff mm-hmm. people are upset but as an artist you got to challenge yourself and when you're at that level at least i write i write for i don't write when i'm if i'm real happy i don't write i've only written probably two songs when i was in a good headspace and if so you're a taylor swift writer a, a lot of them are about breakups even yeah. the the songs that are that you wouldn't know about just on the surface they're about breakups a lot, i've written a had some bad breakups. That's, I, that's the turmoil of artists. I write a lot about that. Yeah. But um, things that scare me, things that, you know, excite me, but, you know, normally in a bad way. I think if I was, if I had that level of success and I still didn't have to work for it, would I, I'm pretty happy now. I'm having, I've been working on a solo acoustic record for mm-hmm. a year and a half. I'm three songs away. I know a good photographer that can really help you with your album cover. Oh, uh, you. You know, I do too, coincidentally. I'm looking at him right now. So. Chad. <laughs> now, Chad's going to help me with production. But I've I've struggled um, because I've been fairly happy, and I've struggled to finish this record, and it's, I know why. Mm-hmm. I recognize that. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually planning on working on it a little bit tomorrow, actually. That's awesome. I'm going to work on it. But um, that, I think the money... The money don't change you. The the lack to have to strive to get something is what changes you. 
You can still look yeah. at Lane. Lane yeah, yeah, was yeah. still able to, you know, from Allison Chains. He was still rest in peace. Yes, definitely. And even though I wasn't a big fan of of the later work, I, I attribute that to Mike Inez. I don't want to get in that. Well, if you have me back, yeah, 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 yeah. if we have, if if well, you have me back, be a co-host. Well, good. That's what I was hoping. But we'll talk about Mike Inez and how he ruined Allison Chains. But yeah. anyway, lyrically, that was the first time I ever told anybody Paul was going to be a co-host. So get used to Paul. Yeah, he's get used to me. Be here quite a I, bit. I uh, I get on your nerves, but I'll grow on you. But I think that uh, you know Lane not being happy, it it made great art. Yeah, it did. It did. The money didn't change him. He was a him. tortured soul. Yeah, he really was. I don't. Did you? Did you? I, we're going to have to cut this off soon because I don't want to keep you here all night because we could probably talk about music forever. Right, and people don't, people don't want to people's attention spans. So they don't want to listen yeah, to us. Yeah, yeah, so if you're still listening, I really, really you're do a appreciate trooper. it. Yes, you are. Trooper in the Iron Maiden Maybe land. I'll send you an MG Flash disc. If that, that you leave be. us a comment. Yeah, we'll leave a, a comment, thing. find out how we can get it to you, and we'll, we'll do something. Um, I didn't realize, I, I read an article about the rooster. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that, I mean, I knew Jerry Cantrell wrote a lot, if not everything. And I, he's I the know. primary vocal on that song yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that The Rooster has always been kind of one of my favorite. I think it's a favorite for pretty much everybody. No doubt. Um, but I didn't realize how much struggle was really in that song. I didn't realize that Jerry and his mother had left this man that he called Dad, who just, he was the rooster, who could not seemed to get it together for his family you know i I, vietnam you know we're we're of that age where our parents um mine got it my my father was out of the military right before vietnam so he never went but i know we were affected at our age by many other classmates and and friends who had family who perished you know rough times right um it's for those of you listening it's vietnam was not like um i'm not i'm not going to downplay iraq or anything like that but death tolls were so much higher i want i want to say 50,000 plus passed away and the appreciation their depreciation for those people wasn't like what we had yeah, they today were, they were spit on when they came home right yeah they there was a lot of protests um you know, if you're listening to this and you're an artist and you're thinking, yeah, yeah, they should be, you know, no, no, they're people, people like the rest of us. They deserve respect. Right. You protest the war. You don't protest the person. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And a lot of those people, they didn't want to be over there. They were forced to go over there. <laughs> right. They were drafted. It's just, a, it was yeah. a different time. We had a draft then. Yeah. yeah. They weren't, they weren't given a choice. Uh, yeah. Canada, back to my Canadian friends, you, you could probably run to Canada, but that was, that was the car's way. Um, I didn't see it that way. It's it's uh, ancestral speaking. It's not in my my genes to be a coward, so I can't really, I can't identify with that whole it's process. In, it's in my genes to live. So <laughs> yeah, sometimes. <laughs> Thank you for throwing that out there because it got a little serious, didn't it? <laughs> I'm gonna live. I'm gonna live. I want to die in battle. <laughs> let's just let's just say if I die. If I die and I'm wrong with my personal beliefs, St. Peter better grab a sword real quick. (laughs) 
Because I'm going to try one more time to get into Valhalla. <laughs> what is this? Oh. Everybody just turned off. <laughs> it's all right. This guy's crazy. It's all right. We're happy. We're making. Yeah, we're yeah, making yeah. art right now. Yeah. You know. Um. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna wrap this up here real quick. I, I want to thank everybody for listening the whole time. I know this was a, a long first episode. And I really enjoy having Paul here. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. It, uh, we'll get this cut down to about 15 minutes and <laughs> no, get no, all no. the good stuff. They're, in <laughs> they're all going to be at least an hour. <laughs> so we'll, I'm going to leave this the way it is because uh, this is the first time for me. Um, it was fun. I've, I've been on the radio a few times and, and done some things. And this, this harkens back to being on the radio, which is really a lot of fun for me. I hate my voice. I think a lot of people do. Yeah, I... I need to put bass in my voice when I'm talking, I, and I, I've totally forgot to do that because I got kind of a nasally, whiny I, kind of voice. No, you've got a great voice. Yeah. It's a sexy voice. Oh, do you think? Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Sing real high for the, you, maybe. It's but. the Glenn Fittick talking. <laughs> <laughs> the Glenn Casa. I get, a little, I get a little loose with my alcohol. Yeah. Maybe some people out there are, you know, drinking a little bit of alcohol, too. Yeah, yeah, listen to this. yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I encourage you to do so, you know. <laughs> It makes, it makes it a little bit better, maybe. <laughs> I'm having a good time. Maybe yeah, they yeah, learned yeah, something. Yeah. We talked about, yeah. we threw some facts out there, and yeah. I learned some stuff. Yeah, there's, there's, and I don't have a fact checker, which, you know, I guess. Oh, I there's facts. There's, if there's one person out there listening, they're a fact checker. <laughs> we'll hear about, well, well, Van Gogh, he actually died in, yeah, in 71 yeah. and a half. It wasn't 72. And it's Picasso, like, yeah, or, yeah. Yeah, Picasso. Van Gogh, I, I Van Gogh shot himself. They, poor, they poor had guns his, back then. I yeah, thought he shot himself in the stomach. He cut the man, cut his ear off, hand shot him. But they uh, say they say I read that it wasn't his whole ear like they depicted. It was just like his lobe. That they no, say, that, I didn't hear that. that really, that's what I I saw in a what a I, pussy. I, I read in an he cut article the whole damn ear. <laughs> and he just cut the lobe off, and it wasn't as big a deal as what they try to make it out like. Oh, I, okay, I don't know, right. but well, that's you know, you know. I, I might read that on the internet. I might saw it on TV. You, you don't know, but. <laughs> Who knows? It's true if it's on the internet. Send us if you know if you know Van Gogh. Yeah, let us you know tell us. But yeah, the reason I was getting a facts checking, uh, Dax Shepard. I don't know if you ever. Oh, heard. I love his wife. Oh yeah, she's, she's yeah. Dax, she just seems Dax, so if sweet. You're listening, which I know you're not. She seems so sweet too, though. She just seems like a, a nice yeah, yeah, person. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's got a a fantastic podcast, which really kind of forced me to do this really yeah yeah it he doesn't in the attic you know and i have an attic i was going to do this in the attic this is a nice room though this is a, my little uh 12 by 12 144 square foot studio space where i make everything as an artist beautiful artwork hanging up that i'm thank always you. so impressed with thank you yeah yeah I, it's getting really hard to find the paint by numbers stuff right? <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, Dax does it in the studio. I've I've saw some. I've actually looked online and found some photographs of his attic, and it's it's quite nice. My, mine's more of a dump. He seems like a cool. Let's have him. Can he be the next guest? I would love for him to be the guest. Oh, that'd be cool. But he he interviews like you know high end actors and actors and more actors and just actors basically. <laughs> um, I don't think he'd ever want me on the show. Unless I became famous, so everybody go buy my art, buy yes, it's Paul's. Very, it's music, very nice, and maybe one of us can get on the show where we can at least live vicariously through the other one. Man, that'd be cool. It would be. 
just just buy just buy ten thousand copies of my album that'll get me on my way. Just somebody out there. Somebody's He's, got it. But Dax has a fax checker. Does he? Yeah. And at the end of the show they go over to the facts like you said and you were wrong. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Fantastic. What do you think that guy gets paid? Dax? No, the fact checker. It's a female. Well, what do you think that girl gets paid? That woman, that person? Probably nothing. It's podcasting. Nobody gets anything on this. I don't know. You never know. We don't. (laughs) (laughs) Why are we here? If we're not going to, if there's not money involved, I got to get, I got to get my lawyer on here because I've been sold a bill of goods. But Dax, if you're listening, you know, we're, we're just a plain, plain trip away. You know, I can be there. So can Paul. Oh yeah. We'll we'll take a couple. We're not in the same department, so we can take the same day off. Oh, that'd be awesome. (laughs) Well, I got sick days. Sick days. If they catch us out there on a sick day, they would fire us for sure. That's whatever. You're one bad day. The world's best. We got to make them all. That's the thing, man. On your job, you can do your job for 10 years and be great at it. And you're one bad day away from it all being over. Yes. But but you really are. And it don't matter if you work at McDonald's. It don't matter if you work in a factory. Don't matter if you're a police officer. Yeah. Whatever. You're just, you can do great. You can be awesome. You can be the best at your job. Yeah. And you just have one bad day and smart off and say the wrong thing to the wrong person. <laughs> and it's over. They're all the wrong person at work. <laughs> but that's true. But but with art, with art, you're constantly doing the wrong thing. You know, you're constantly doing the wrong. And it's it's great. It's it leads you down. If you know, I, I, I mixed the colors wrong and I didn't know that shade yeah. would look like this. OK, well, this this would be great for the next. It's fuck this one up yeah but it's great for the next one this chord yeah. I, I i played this and that didn't work but man that sounds those two notes sound cool together absolutely on the next song you know that that's that's real life it is real life and i want to personally thank everybody who supports the arts if you're listening to this podcast and you actually go to a concert you pay for a ticket i don't i don't care if it's metallica or if it's the band down the street thank you yeah or you tell your buddy or you tell your family about, hey, check this band out. Check yeah. check this photo out. Look look what this guy did. Yeah. That's yeah. That's awesome. That's everything. You if you're a patron of the arts today, you are exactly what the historians will write about two hundred years from now, three hundred years from now. We all look at the history and say, Wow, I that's so different to what we have today. No, you're making history today. When you buy artwork from a painter or you purchase an album from a musician, you're supporting the arts. So again, thank you. And thank you for listening all this time. And uh, I hope you uh, click on the subscribe button to the channel and listen to more future episodes. I'll be talking to comedians. I'll be talking to just about anybody I can get my hands on that will actually talk about art. If you yourself are an artist and you'd like to be on the show, give me an email at the studio at michaelworth.com that's t-h-e-s-t-u-d-i-o at m-i-c-h-a-e-l.com michaelworth.com sorry i forgot my last name there is it worth or worth? <laughs> i was waiting for that that's fantastic paul and i i'm going to say this real quick paul and i work at a place where my name comes out so bastardized so many different ways and um He's the only person that seems to catch it on the radio 
we uh, we have and no we're not allowed to talk like this on the radio so we don't well, you but, can on channel 3 but that's uh, yeah, I'll yeah, tell you yeah, about yeah. that off the air um, it's worth it's worth it's all kinds of different things it's like you've been there a few years you'd think they'd learn how to say your name well, I, it's just, yeah, it drives get, me insane I get no respect I don't nobody cares I've been there 20 years nobody <laughs> cares and you're like Ramy, Ramy, Remy they, Whatever. S- they spell it wrong. They normally say it right, but yeah. but I have to say Remy, so they'll spell it correctly. <laughs> it's R E M Y. Yeah, yeah. They always want to put an A in it or yeah. an, or an A and an E, and yeah. I don't know, but whatever. Once again, I want to thank Paul for being on the show. If you are a listener of this podcast and you really enjoyed it, please subscribe. Please leave me a good comment put five stars on there if you hated the show go ahead and leave me a comment anyway hit five stars because you fucking hated it and i will see you later bye thanks paul thank you